It's Sunday, March 3, 2024. I'm Anthony Davis. Welcome to The Weekend Show, where we make the time to consider the news of the week. You can support my work and independent journalism at patreon.com slash five minute news. Our guest today is a former associate of Rudy Giuliani, who was a figure in the disgraced former President Donald Trump's first impeachment investigation. His story is immortalized in his new book, Shadow Diplomacy. Lev Parnas, welcome back to The Weekend Show. Hi, Anthony. Thank you for having me. So um, when we spoke last time, it was a while ago since we spoke, but obviously you've, you've written this book and you've been able to talk about things in a, you know, a very personal way, about your kind of personal story being, I'd, I'd describe you as being in the room where it happens, right? You were, you were very much at the center of this whole story of, you know, Russia, Russian collusion, the uh, extorting of Vladimir Zelensky. So that was the first impeachment. But also what we're now discovering, isn't it crazy that, you know, years later, that stuff now is only really starting to to come out, and I hope that people are starting to make sense of it. This is after this former FBI informant has been charged with lying about about Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's role in in the Ukraine business, Burisma, which completely undercuts the impeachment inquiry. And and so this is, I mean, it must be for you, and certainly the timing of your book, it certainly must feel like this story has come full circle. How did you feel when, when, when he was charged? I mean, Anthony, I mean, things like that only happen, only God's work. I, that's all I could say. I mean, only God could make something like that happen and the timing and everything. I mean, the reason why I wrote the book, the reason is because there was so much that transpired in, in Trump's administration and the rooms that I was in. It wasn't one room. It was like the different rooms, right. different countries, different hotels, different meetings behind the scenes. And... There was so much that I had to tell. And the problem was when I came out four years ago and started talking about it, people thought I was crazy. The media tried to discredit me. Bill Barr used the, uh, and Donald Trump used the DOJ to arrest me, to shut me up, to try to make me look like I'm a liar, like I don't know what I'm talking about. If you look back at my very first interview that I did with Rachel Maddow, every single thing that I said about every single person in the interview that everybody thought that, it, oh, uh, we can't believe it. It can't, can't be true. It can't be. I mean, Attorney General Bill Barr, really? He's going to be corrupt in the rest. And since that, the, the, the four years that we've been living through, everything has been coming validation. First, now the world sees who Attorney General Bill Barr really was, how corrupt he was, how he flipped both sides, how he was, how he had his hands all over my arrest, that investigation to try to cover up for Donald Trump by, by hiring Scott Brady by making him a uh, special counsel by to not to get the investigation out and get the truth out, but to bury the truth, to shut me up. And besides that, there were so many different people involved and there were so many other things that happened besides Ukraine that when I would, you can't get it all out in one interview, one podcast, even, you know, the, the story doesn't make sense. So, I mean, for people like yourself or journalists out there or people that are on these Twitter spaces and are out there diligently watching what happened, the story is going to all come together. The majority of the world in the country have no idea what transpired. And that's why I wrote the book to really outline, detail, 
the the characters that were the people that were involved not only on the United States side, not only the congressman Trump, Giuliani, but all the oligarchs and different corrupt politicians from the other side and how it all came together. And now with the getting vindicated by the final, you know, as they say, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back type of thing is having this, uh, therefore, FBI informant being arrested. Because at the end of the day, you have to really look. I mean, it's it's not about he, him getting arrested. It's about that the FBI, the DOJ covered up and allowed Russian information to get into the halls of Congress to get to the point of impeaching a U.S. president. Now, that's the most insane and most ludicrous thing that I think ever happened in the United States. And all they had to do, they had all the, they had, they had the proof. They had the communications between me and Zlachevsky in their possession in 2019. So they knew about the laptop. They knew about Zlachevsky that he didn't give Biden any money. They knew about Lutsenko and everybody be giving false information. They knew about Victor Shokin. But every time I would try to talk to him, they don't want to talk to me about that. We don't want to hear about Giuliani, Trump. And, 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 and that's why I wrote the book, because I think the truth needs to get out and you can't get it all out in one interview or one article. So I think the readers will really understand and get fascinated about how, and I try to hold nothing back and I try to really get detail, not only about Ukraine, but what really happened in Venezuela, how Trump and uh, Erdogan and Turkey got together. I mean, then not only that, but how the super PACs, how the money gets funneled to these uh, through these super PACs, how the lobbyists, you, you know, are working on all of these different countries to promote their only. I mean, there's a lot more to the story that makes this whole thing corrupt and allow Trump to do what he does. It, the enablers that enabled him to do it. So uh, it's yeah. it's 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 kind of a movie script that you've written. You know, it's <laughs> it's like a it's a screenplay, and and that's well, what I found most interesting about it. The way that the DOJ and the media painted you as a baddie when actually you were the goodie in this story. And, and, and that's what's so interesting because we never really heard your voice at the beginning. We saw pictures of you and, and they described you as a henchman. Yep. And so, and so we, we projected the idea that you were this kind of Ukrainian henchman. I don't think anybody knew that you could even speak English. Yeah, and so, yeah. This was a very interesting kind of story arc, you know, the, the, the narrative of how actually you were collecting receipts the whole time because you thought you were doing good. You thought you were, you were doing something for your, for your country. You, at the time when you started all this, you respected President Trump. You thought that, you know, you were on the right side of history. And so you saved everything because you wanted mementos for your kids. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing that I found most interesting about this, that, that because the DOJ under Trump was, was so compromised that, that you were, you were painted as a, a baddie and the media didn't really know what to make of you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the media ran with it. I mean, we all understand uh, the connections that the DOJ has with the media, the relationships and, you know, a leak here, a leak there and all of a sudden. And remember, I fit the perfect mold. Bill Barr had his perfect pigeon because I, I did yeah. not belong in the White House. I wasn't that Harvard graduated lawyer that with a pedigree that belonged there and lobbyists or whatever you want to call it. I was the street kid from Brooklyn that, you know, looked to where to smoke a joint and make business and not go out there and deal with world politics, never was yeah. involved in it. 
And then all of a sudden, I got transformed into basically this James Bond character where I'm, you know, like I said, in the shadowed world of, you know, uh, diplomacy where I'm traveling all these different countries. I mean, if you, if I didn't live through it by even remembering it and reading my own book, it fascinates me that I can't believe what I went through and lived through because if I would watch it on television, I would never believe that that could actually happen. So the the title of shadow diplomacy is, is very, very well conceived in my view, because, you know, you, as you say, you were, you were having to do, you were like a, a fixer, really, you really had to make these relationships, connect people with other people. And therefore, you had to know people in in the first place. And, And they took advantage of the fact that, you know, you could, you know, you're multilingual, that you had this ability to communicate, which is something that people like Giuliani and Donald Trump have, you know, that have no ability for. So you must have felt quite proud in that moment that you were able to be this, you know, this this great connector, that that you were doing a good thing. Let's just talk for a second before we get to how it all got twisted. Just remind us how you felt when you, you thought you were doing good for the United States. I mean, I feel uh, very uh, crazy sounding what, what I'm going to say, but I really believed I was going to get the Medal of Honor. I mean, I thought I'm saving our country from the evil deep state. I was, I mean, I, to the point where Anthony, like I told you, I mean, I, I, I lost my family. I was fortunate enough to get them back, but my kids, my wife, uh, anybody that I grew up with, majority of the people, I, I mean, except for the hand-picked ones that would jump on the Trump, Trump bandwagon that wanted to go with me to the events. And it was just, uh, as when you say mega, I was as mega as you, I mean, I was the original, like they say, the OG. The, the OG, I was mega. the mega OG, you know, yeah. where there's, there was nobody, there, nobody could, uh, you know, say anything bad about Donald Trump or Giuliani or anybody in that. And so... Yeah, no, I believe hard, strong. And you guys said, for me, I never had a, uh, any inside look or even outside look at politics. I never voted before. I never was involved. It was not my world. You know, I always heard, like, you know, be careful. You know, politicians are worse than mobsters. And I would think, laugh to myself. Here, these guys are in suits. <laughs> How can they be worse than mobsters? But they are much worse than any mafia or mobsters that I've, or oligarchs that I've ever dealt with. I mean, there's some of, I mean, there's no truth. I mean, again, not every one of them. I don't want to label every politician or every kind, but we know the ones that we're talking about, the ones that we see on TV peddling Russian propaganda till this day, you know, the Marjorie Greens, the Matt Gaetzes, and so on. So, yeah, so it was, uh, I mean, just fascinating to see how it all, and, and I truly got entangled into it to the point where I believe that I'm on the front line, we're at the war, we're gonna, I'm going to save the country, get the Medal of Honor, and that's why I saved every little thing, because it was part of history that I wanted to share with my grandkids. Meanwhile, if you really look back at it, now you, this is why I take, in the book, you, the reader really needs to understand who left Parnas is, and how could a, how could, how could a guy... With my connections, because I don't have connections to people in Fortune 500 companies, my connections came all in Russia, oligarch, mobsters, because I grew up in the streets of Brooklyn in a time where there was a different world. And I write about it in the book so people understand who I was. You also have to understand Donald Trump, the Secret Service, and Rudy Giuliani's intensive investigators, and every congressman that vetted me from the Secret Service to the CIA knew everything about me. And they still came to me. 
the reason they came to is because they wanted those contacts in that world. Yeah. They didn't want legitimate people. They, they wanted contacts that were willing to play ball the way Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani wanted to play ball. And then and I fast forward to yeah. this kind of sham impeachment of Joe Biden and trying to, you know, dig up dirt on, on Hunter Biden and trying to find connections with, you know, Burisma, this Ukrainian energy company and, and, and payments and stuff. It, if we go back to it being a screenplay or a James Bond movie, it all kind of has perfect, you know, elements to, to make the story, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And so, and so it, 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 it's almost like you couldn't make it up. It was, it was like, a, it was a, it was a perfect scenario for people to buy in for the MAGA groups, but also Republican lawmakers to kind of buy into something, to think that they've got this, you know, this great haul. Yeah. And, and actually the, the reality was actually quite kind of boring because, you know, just tell us very quickly about why Burisma, as we're learning now, would put Hunter Biden on its board. Um, this idea Absolutely. about, you know, credibility and where yeah, the country yeah. was at the time. Yeah. Well, 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 first of all, let's understand that Burisma uh, uh, in that part of the world is like a Fortune 500 company. Yeah. So uh, without taking everything out, the first step is what do Fortune 500 companies do? They usually stack their boards of people with names, right. not always having any profession, right? but because they have some connection to some world or because they're a big name, they're a big author, they're famous, and they stack them and they get paid lots of money to do nothing, but maybe show up once in a while at some board meeting. Happens every day all over the world and in the United States. So that's first of all. So when they go out there and say Hunter Biden, you know, his name is Biden. Let's understand. If I had a, if I had a company, I would like to have a Biden on my company. And so <laughs> yeah. would you and so would majority because it's just that's the way the world is. It's about connections and it's about influence and having it. So that's the first thing. Second of all, let's now take back, go back in time a little bit where Burisma was. In 2014, uh, it's very important date is when everything changed. Prior to that, uh, Mikhail, Mikhail Zlachevsky, who was the CEO of Burisma, was the eco uh, minister in Ukraine. And, and what he did is while he was there, he was able to basically steal, pillage a lot of rights for oil and gas in Ukraine. And when the 2014 uh, Maidan revolution happened, he fled to Russia uh, to, because he was part of the Russian, uh, uh, Putin's, uh, uh, influence in Ukraine and he was part of the Yanukovych, uh, regime. And so he fled, but he kept all his, like from business because the way they set up their businesses, they do it offshore European companies. So he retained the rights to all of these, uh, Ukrainian, uh, mineral rights and was making billions and hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, when the United States came in and they started, we're going to root out uh, corruption and we're going to, you know, put in this anti-corruption organization. You have to understand that even though you, they were handpicking individuals like, you know, uh, Poroshenko and others uh, to be in the lead, they were still corrupt in their way. I mean, no, you couldn't find anybody that's not corrupt. I don't care because that's the way that's, of life that's the Ukraine. that's the oil business for you, right? It? And it's the way of life in Ukraine. I mean, yeah. you know, there's just a level of corruption that they're willing to go to, and you hope yeah. that maybe they've been corrupted so much, made so much money that that now they'll try to do good with it. That's what the hope is. So when they put these people in, these individuals understood that they wanted to take away what Zlachevsky had, and they had the opportunity to do it. 
So they basically started leaning on him to get bribes. That's where Victor Shokin comes in. Victor Shokin was the attorney, uh, prosecuting attorney general at the time in Ukraine. So the way uh, the system is set up in Ukraine, like you see in movies, it's Eastern Europe. Yes, there's a lot of criminals, they go away, but there's also a lot of corruption. And that's how these prosecutors, when they retire, are worth hundreds of millions of dollars and live in yeah. Europe and villas. So Burisma was just a client to Viktor Shokin. They had a falling out. They had a falling out, and Viktor Shokin, over a $5 million bribe that Viktor Shokin was supposed to have. And this is what the interest me, right? It's the same $5 million number that comes into effect right. that supposedly Biden got. Yeah. So, he, so Victor Shokin then starts using pressure, threatening Burisma that he's going to go after him. So there was an individual by the name of uh, uh, Vitaly Prus that happens to be, and this is why you have to read the book because it's so just, it, it gets a little entangled, but it's so important to understand. This is a gentleman that has a company, a Russian company, he's a, uh, a Russian individual that's been working with Giuliani for 15 years, setting up. Uh, speaking arrangements all over Eastern Europe with different presidents of different countries, Georgia, former, former Soviet Union countries, that has ties to a lot of powerful uh, Kremlin and oligarchs and so on. So he happens to be the one also that knows Mikhail Zlachevsky. And so at a, at a meeting, he offers him to bring him Devin Archer along with Hunter Biden <laughs> and uh, Heinz, Christopher yeah. Heinz. Yeah, bring him the package, and he basically the plan was: if you get these guys on your board, there's no way Poroshenko, Ukraine is gonna. You're getting off that list because they're not just. It's just you know, there's no conversation. Even they're not gonna go after you. Because it's like protection. Right? It's like protection. It's like it's like, right. it's like just a sign. Like here, uh, yeah. you gonna go after me? You're going after the United States, basically that right. type of. Because you gotta understand, they all would do it from a corrupt mind, because if it was their son that was there, they would be probably involved in it. So they're thinking that people judge people by their own actions. So if you're corrupt, you think other people have some corruption in them. So they right away assume, oh, if Hunter is going to on the board of Burisma, Joe Biden has to know, he has to be involved in it. There's a game, they're going to squeeze us now. So the, the, the crazy mind starts thinking because you're a criminal or you're corrupt, you start thinking in that way of life. You know, yeah. and that's why it, it, it they hired Hunter Biden. And if you and even you could see Christopher Hines was smart at the time. You know, Hunter Biden was you know unfortunately going through a lot of type, tough. Times he was he was compromised. He was he, an yeah, addict. Was, yeah, and he need so he needed something to do because yeah. I think thing people forget about Hunter Biden is that you know he struggled with his sobriety for years. Absolutely, he's always trying to better himself to to do something that will stop him from using, to stop him from being isolated, to feel part of something. And famously, you know, when he told his father that he'd got this this kind of board job at Burisma, his father said, I hope you know what you're doing. And, you know, but we've learned recently that, you know, their relationship is pretty special, as a lot of father and sons are, are connected, but because of the grief they've both experienced in their family, it has brought them close together. And there, there is a level of trust that, that is something that the media have completely ignored. How much Joe Biden loves Hunter Biden and oh. is therefore prepared to give him a pass on some things. I mean, listen, I, I'm a father of four boys. I have yeah. six kids, but I have four boys. And I can tell you some of them are now getting to an age where they become men and, and growing up. And 
assuming and thinking that relationships are, you know, it's when they, when you become a man and when you become an, or, or a woman and you're, it's your time. I mean, as parents, yes, we try to, but I mean, you can't tell them you can't do it or you're not going to do it or yeah. be involved. You know, some, you know, kids, it's different relationships. It's different, you know, uh, especially it, it, it's very easily. You know what the very sad point, Anthony, I want to just touch on that. This mm -hmm. really kills me is we here in the United States and all over the world, you know, especially in the United States, we have we have all of these passion and fight for people that have uh, diseases, you know, mental health problems, that have alcohol problems, have drug. We, we have all these organizations. We fight for them. We want to support these people until it happens to somebody that you want to destroy. Yeah. So all of a sudden now, all of this that we will, that the same people that will, that are out there and you can have clips talking about, listen, you know, you need to give him a pass. It wasn't him. He was going through, you know, drug, alcohol, this. He has mental problems. You know, it, it's not him. This is not, you can't judge that person action as, as a normal sane individual that was doing it until it happened to Hunter Biden. You know, yeah. when it happened to Hunter Biden, he's the devil. Okay, yeah. that's it. You know, he's the devil because he had a drug problem. Yeah. He had a, he's the devil because he might have had, you know, mental health issues because of the drug problem at the time. Yeah. And, nobody wants and, to and, and it gives it was... credibility to other things. So right. when he drops his laptop off at a repair shop and forgets to pick it up, it, 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 it all kind of plays into this story, doesn't it? The, but the... you know what else people don't realize, and that's why it's important to read the book, is people assume that Hunter Biden, because he's the vice president's son, he has a certain, you know, people assume themselves. They have no idea what his lifestyle is, if he has yeah. security, how he goes, where he goes who he hangs out with, but they assume that he has to live a certain life and that it's outrageous. But they don't realize because of the lifestyle that he was living, that he was such a big mark for everybody right. around him. Right. Not just Russia. It was everybody. He was a mark. He was, that's the, that's the sad part. To be taken advantage of. He, he was like, you know, it's like, you know, a, a woman being taken advantage of or a young child being taken. He yeah. was the same. And he, you know, he was he, an easy target. He was is what an you're easy saying. target. And he was a mark. And because of his condition, because of that. And that's what they were using him to get. And now they're trying. And the sad part is that now the Comer and the Republicans are trying to form it that he was this, you know, you know, mastermind that him and Joe mastermind that they weren't. Joe wasn't worried about the country. He had running vice president. He was worried about making five million from Burisma from some criminal. I mean, it's just the story is so insane, you know, and the crazy part about it, and uh, which is why I look at all of this and now everything's coming to fruition is because as hard of a patriot towards mega that I was, and as hard as that I went out there and tried to find this information because I wanted to get to the truth. Because I believe the truth. I believe he was guilty. I believe Joe Biden was guilty. Hillary Clinton. I wanted to get the truth. Every time we would get to that right there, gotcha moment, we got the truth, we would hit a dead wall. We would hit a dead wall. And I look back at it and I write about it in the book. Is like when we would hit that dead wall, instead of trying to find out why maybe the story is not true, we would go, we would be forced by the BLT team, by the people around Trump that were on that mission to go find somebody that will give you that information. Yeah. It wasn't go find the information. It was go find somebody that has enough credibility that that we could write a story about, it, that we could, you know, uh, run it. And, and back then I did not realize it because, again, I was dealing with, 
these, you know, Devin Nunez, House Judiciary Congressman, President yeah. Trump, you yeah. know, Rudy Giuliani. I'm at the White yeah. House. I'm at the, I mean, I was mind blown that I could imagine that this thing is actually happening in, in the vaccine. So I took it at face value. So when I was given a piece of paper and said, this is what it is, that was what it is. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because we've we've been waiting for stuff to come out in order to fill in the gaps. And I think that's what's happened now. My concern is that even with, you know, the informant, um, Alexander Smirnoff and this kind of whole FBI connection, the MAGA people don't really know about it. They don't really understand it. They're not getting access to this information. They're, they are still very much ensconced in their information silo. And so it doesn't, in terms of, you know, the forthcoming election and, you know, all of the misinformation that is going back and forth, it, it doesn't really change things from that perspective. And and, and that's right. something that we need to talk about because, you know, it might be a, it might be a, a gotcha moment and a, and a hallelujah from those who are either smart enough to make the effort to read it or have the time to read it or are interested. But for those people who are in the MAGA cult, there's just, there's no crossover. Right. I mean, Anthony, we spoke about it previously and you know very well, cult mentality is very different. Yeah. And the way you keep people in the cult is limiting them from information, outsource information so they could have, so the mind doesn't wander and try to think, well, what if or what? It has to be 100% pure one way. And, you know, it's like a horse running a race and they put the blinders on so you yeah. can't look one way or the other. So, yeah, so the mega cult. But I don't worry about the mega, you know, they're far gone. The only way the mega... Uh, cult could get broken up is by Trump losing, by Trump going to prison. And it's still going to take years because the it's been infiltrated by others into the DOJ, yes. the Congress, Senate. So there's going to be a weaning time and we're, we're in for a ride. But the only way it's going to happen is by, you know, time has to go by without the Donald Trump, you know, their super hero Superman to lead their way. You know what I'm saying to you? And that's how I perceive, you know, a lot of his cult members look at him as their, you know, superhero character, you know, like Batman, Superman, they got their Donald Trump, you know, character. Yeah. So the cult are so I don't worry about them, but the great stuff, the great point is majority of the world and the country is watching this. You know, most, most of the people and the independent people and people that are on, on the fringe, people that are going to make a difference in the elections, because the mega is going to vote Trump no matter what you do, yeah. no matter what you say. But the people that are on the line, the people that are, you know, maybe like confused or don't have enough information. And yeah. well, the independents, and there's enough right. of them, right? And Republicans, and there's Republicans and Democrats right. that are on the line because of, you know, crazy issues, because of Joe Biden's age and because of the economy, they might not think so. There are people out there that don't have enough information that are still basing this election, like a general election. And that was the purpose of the book and also some other projects that I'm working on is to get the information out so people then could, if you still want to vote for this guy after you read my book, <laughs> God bless you. You know what I'm saying? Okay. That's what I'm saying. Okay, listen, we have to take a quick pause for our sponsor, but I want, I want to come back and talk about the current FBI director, Christopher Ray, who just on, on Wednesday issued a warning to say that, you know, Russian um, meddling in the election is, is, is happening again. So we'll, we'll talk about that and more with Lev Parnas next. I'm excited to tell you about Moink, that's Moo, plus 
Oink. Moink is a meat subscription box company on a mission to fight for the family farm. They're located in rural America, run by an eighth-generation female farmer. Their animals are raised humanely, their employees are paid a living wage, and the quality of their product is better than anything you'll find in a store. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door. I've received one of these boxes and I can verify that the quality of the food was excellent and it tasted delicious too. Keep American farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com weekend now and listeners of this show get free bacon for a year. That's one year of the best bacon you'll ever taste, but for a limited time. Spelled M-O-I-N-K box dot com slash weekend. That's moinkbox dot com slash weekend. I've always found it difficult to find clothes that I like to wear. And when I find one thing that works, I just buy loads of them and just wear the same thing all the time. Well, men's closets were due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible set of products known to man. And here's why. Roan helps you get ready for any occasion. The commuter collection offers the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, zips, and polos. You'll never have to worry about what to wear when you've got the Roan commuter collection. The comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that it leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way from your commute to work or your 18 holes of golf. It's time to feel confident without the hassle. With Roan's wrinkle release technology, wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the products. It's that easy. And with Gold Fusion anti-odor technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch the dry cleaner altogether. I personally love a technical fabric, something that is advanced and uses technology to make a more comfortable and more modern outfit. Now, the commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. So head to roan.com slash Anthony and use promo code Anthony to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com slash Anthony and use code Anthony, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y. It's time to find your corner office comfort. We're back on The Weekend Show. I'm Anthony Davis. The United States expects to face fast-moving threats to American elections this year as artificial intelligence and other technological advances have made interference and meddling easier than before, the FBI director Christopher Wray said this week. Um, th I'm sure this doesn't surprise you, Lev. And I think that people forget quite how much uh, Kremlin influence there was in the 2016 election to get Donald Trump elected. There is no doubt in my mind that Vladimir Putin is going to really open the taps and do whatever he can to get Trump elected again. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Anthony, the viewers need to understand that Vladimir Putin, the so Russians, uh, Russia, the former Soviet Union, China, North Korea, Iran, all of these axes of evil, and maybe even some of our friends, I'm not going to go, try to meddle in our elections all the time. The reason why now we're finding out how, how much it's happening is because technology happened. 
Yeah. Before it was more of that clock and clock and do- dagger back behind doors spy like we used to. Now with technology, it's become a different world. So it's become a lot easier for them to come in and, you know, and we're fighting it, learning it, and they're learning new ways. And this is what's been going on. So, right, what happened in 2016 is we realized the power, actually, that Russia, how, how deep they have been able to infiltrate our elections to their own uh, purposes. What we're seeing now is just the tipping point. Just because we are uh, Alexander uh, Smirnov, he's nobody. I mean, compared to, you know, I'm not trying to make him lower, right? But um, there's probably hundreds of Alexander right now Smirnovs running around the well, United States. Well, he got States. caught. That's he just difference. got caught, right? He right. just got caught. But yeah. there's, you know, the, the amount of money that's being poured into uh, the U- our elections through uh, foreign uh, to in metal interference through super PACs into a lot of these if. Congress really wants to do something good. They should follow the money. Like any any good investigator always says, follow the money. If you start following the money and really want to track down where all this money coming, you'll see how these policies are being made and why certain people are wanting certain things. So, yes, this is what Christopher Ray said, 100%. And I don't agree on everything Christopher Ray says, so don't get me wrong. But at that point, absolutely 100% that they are not only meddling, but the you know like uh, to quote uh, Kimberly Gilfine when uh, and her kind the worst is yet to come when it comes to Russia so yeah. we have to be I mean and this the very sad part is if you take Donald Trump out of the equation all these mega uh, fools would would agree that Russia is bad and they interfere in our election but for the purpose of their own greed and their own narcissism and just for their own perfect they're willing to close their eyes and lie and say that Russia's not interfering, Russia's a good guy, Putin's a good guy. That's the insane and crazy part to to, to what degree people will go to basically selling their soul to the devil, to be able to fulfill their own need of having their guy, their team. Because remember, America's, we're, we're passionate. We're passionate about our sport team. You know, when the Super Bowl's out there, you think that, you know, both sides are really to kill each other for a, a football game because we're passionate. And this is a passion that, you know, Donald Trump's gives them such a passionate thing. So it's them against us. And that's the, the crazy part. I think I said once before that the only thing that America and the, Ru- and the Russians should collaborate on is the International Space Station, you know, <laughs> right? Like- that, was the, that was the best thing. You know, listen, we had a chance and we messed up. 1991, yeah. when the wall came down, when Gorbachev gave it up, we had our chance to come in there, and the biggest mistake we did is we didn't take over the nukes. We didn't take over there. We took over there. We thought by, you know, that deal that we cut by allowing them to keep their nukes and to limit them on their financial and watch how they make their money, it was all a matter of just giving them time to get back on their feet. Yeah, It's like a boxer getting hit, and then you just walk away. You don't finish him off. And that's what we did. But, but Putin was there. This is what yeah. I think people forget is that when, when Gorbachev was – negotiating with with Reagan when they these relationships were at a were in in a, the best place they'd ever been post cold war and then Yeltsin comes in and the relationship is still strong Putin is there he's on the sidelines he was a he's high a ranking KGB guy uh, agent. KGB guy right so he is he has his own view and Putin has always preferred the the USSR as a concept right that's yes. what that that's what he was always after the 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 idea that 
it got broken up and that wars came down is not something that Vladimir Putin ever advocated for. And so in the background, he's always manipulating. He has great skills in that regard. And so really Gorbachev out the way, Yeltsin out the way, Putin installs himself as a kind of lifelong leader for Russia. 23 years now. Yeah, I mean, it's not just, it's not just t- tell us about that, about that, that period yeah. and his thinking. Absolutely. Well, you gotta understand that he was born and bred KGB agent from childhood. Yeah. Uh, he, he served in Germany as a translator, speaks several languages, very educated. He was brought up in the ranks when the, when the pro, when in 91, when the wall came down and the talks between Gorbachev and Reagan, everything, the KGB, basically started pushing him at the time he, they pushed him in. I think he became mayor of St. Petersburg and started working up simultaneously up the ranks until when Yeltsin took over basically. And Yeltsin was too drunk to handle the country. He got taken in by the KGB behind the scenes. And they basically told him, you have to give the reins over to Putin and we'll let you keep because it was a deal cut to let Yeltsin and his daughter who was living in the United States, I think at the time, to keep the money that they pilgrimage from the uh, former Soviet Union. And Follow the money. Retire. Right, and retire and basically hand over the reins to Putin and back to the old regime, the KGB. And from the first day he came into office, he said that in his speech, and it was uh, uh, that he his whole mission in life is to get the former Soviet Union back together. And that's where the, the problem was with it is that Putin never uh, uh, understood, he couldn't find that crack because of NATO, because NATO was so strong, the United States was so powerful, China wouldn't jump into their game. He didn't have that crack in the shield. He knew that if he gets out of line, that Russia is a facade. The world is still thinking that it's the former Soviet Union, the powerful Cold War regime. He, but Putin understood that we were, they were a facade. Yes, they were getting very wealthy financially, uh, but they were still a facade. They didn't have that powerful, you know, he, they were that bully that didn't want to get called out in, the, in a real fight. Yeah. So, but then comes Donald Trump and he gives him that crack, that crack that he's been waiting for 20 years, 25 years. He comes the, the in long and says, game. he comes in and says, I'm going to destroy NATO. Yeah. I'm going to destroy you guys. Not only am I going to destroy NATO, you, you know, Putin, Ukraine, that country that you've wanted, that is the biggest part of your whole puzzle to put together the Soviet Union back together. Well, I hate them so much because they wouldn't announce an investigation into Joe Biden. I'm going to give them to you on that solar platter. So now you tell me, why wouldn't Vladimir Putin want to meddle? When, when people, when I hear Tucker Carlson or somebody come out there and say, why would Vladimir Putin want to invade Poland? Why would Vladimir Putin want to meddle in our election? Why would Vladimir Putin want Donald Trump? Are you really kidding me? I mean, my 10-year-old child understands why Vladimir Well, Putin- because they know, they do know. Right. They're playing devil's advocate because they are doing the work for Putin. And, you know, when you talk about the arrival of Trump, because it was a long game, as I said, right, with with identifying Donald Trump, there was a few opportunities for him to run where he nearly did and didn't. They finally get him to run, give him the confidence, give him the financial support. They're like, this is this is our moment. And and he caves. I mean, he just he was thrilled for the attention. Trump, you know, as a, as a mark, he's a, he's a perfect candidate, isn't he? Yeah. He, Even he, if you fast forward to just last week, when he says 
that if NATO members don't pay their full 2% of GDP, then I won't just tell Russia, but I will encourage Russia encourage, to, encourage a, to, Russia. A, to attack NATO countries. I mean, that is a remarkable announcement and worthy of not just impeachment, but arrest for treason. And yet just comes and goes and people are like, ah, that's just Trump. I mean, that's where we're at now, Lev. It's chilling. Not, not only that, Anthony, but I'm going to take you back over to 2016 for a second yeah. and your viewers. Why yeah. that election and why Russia interfered so badly and why that was the time for Trump to come in. Why they need, Because they were so scared that if Hillary Clinton would have won, because she was so... She knew Vladimir Putin for so many years because of Bill Clinton being the Secretary of State, yeah. being the wife. I mean, there was, she was smart. She was smart. She knew. She knew. Putin knew he couldn't pay her off. He knew there was no way she's going to give him that crack. And he also understood that if the Democrats win that party, that it would be very difficult for the Republicans maybe to you know come back coming another four years or eight years down the road. And Putin understood that, that he doesn't have that much time. I mean, he's already up there. He's sick, you know, all these reports and everything. He wants to do it while he's alive and while he wants to get that credit of going up because he's the richest man in the world as it is. He, there's nothing that he doesn't have. The only thing he doesn't have is he doesn't have the former Soviet Union back together. Yeah. But that's why people don't understand. So why would he do it? Because he has nothing else to live for. He has everything else. And, and it's hard to understand that. And that's another thing I write in the book is by living with all these oligarchs over the years, when you live with people that have unlimited amounts of money, it's a different world. They think differently. They don't think like the common person. They don't yeah. want the same thing. They don't act the same thing. They, they, it's, it's just a different world. And that's why. Well, he's bored. I sense that he's bored and he's yeah. isolated. I noticed in the Tucker Carlson interview recently, he just looks so bored with the whole thing that the only thing left to do is to either try and take the United States for yourself or to instigate a nuclear war, as he talked about in a speech only last week. I mean, this is the danger of, of, of authoritarians like him, that, that just out of, for the sake of it, they can cause an awful lot of trouble. Oh, oh absolutely. But he's not only bored, he's scared. Very scared. I want you to understand that people have to look at the, like even the Tucker Carlson interview and look at some of the way and the comments like he made this week or last week about the nukes that, you know, if we put boots on the ground, he's willing to nuke Ukraine and stuff like that. Yeah. This is when a dog barks that usually doesn't bite. You know what I'm saying to you? We, we all understand that somebody that keeps saying, you're good, you know, how many times in the past two years has he mentioned that he's going to nuke somebody or nuke something or nuke it? You know, it's because he's probably his nukes probably don't even work to such a degree. That that's how what what I think. Well, this this happened this happened with Saddam Hussein, right? This is where Correct. you remember he was talking. Uh, I'm going to do this. Pretend that you have weapons of weapons. mass destruction. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's all it's all but, projection. Right, because they 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 only could rule on fear. Right. Now, fear. They have to scare you. So so Putin is very scared because, and very frustrated because you have to understand that he saw that crack. He took a big chance. I mean, him going into Kiev into Kiev, the way they attacked it, thinking he's going to take over Ukraine in three days into the central Kiev. That was a huge, a huge uh, underestimating on his part, but also something that he's very frustrated because he truly, he can't believe till this day, I guarantee you, that the United States and NATO has given so much money and support to Ukraine. He never believed it. Yeah. Because he thought, he, he already thought that there was so much 
anger built into Ukraine. Nobody cared about Ukraine. Yeah. Ukraine was just like that. He was just going to come in, take it over. And by now he would be onto other things. So he's frustrated and scared because he understands that if Joe Biden wins and Trump loses, uh, he's, it's going to be basically time for him. He's going to be put to the test. And the whole world is going to see now, is it dangerous? Absolutely, because this guy's a madman. People don't understand that. And it's a very scary time we live in that he could do stupid things. He has nothing to lose. He does not care about his people. He's not doesn't care about how many people die. Just look what he's doing. He keeps sending more and more troops over to Ukraine by beating them not with ammunition, but with bodies. We don't have, they don't have enough ammunition to kill, kill enough Russian soldiers. The craziness. He could just takes them out of prison, takes young kids. Doesn't matter. No. It doesn't matter as long as he, and that's the mentality. So he's very dangerous. Yes, these elections in the next few years are going to be very, uh, intense and scary and important. But if Donald Trump wins, oh, it's checkmate game over. Uh, he'll take over Ukraine just like he, t- without one more f- bullet being fired, just like he took over Crimea. And, and then, you know, uh, it becomes a game, you know, game on from there. NATO will get destroyed. Poland will be next, you know, Lithuania, Sweden, you know, and, um, we'll, we'll be living in a different world, you know, and, and that's the, and that's the pitch Donald Trump is selling to a lot of these mega, uh, um, loyalists. A lot of these people don't travel outside the United States. You also have to keep in mind. That's why you see them talking about why do I care about Ukraine? Why do I, they have no idea of what, it means geologically in the world, in the scheme of things, how at the end of the day, it, it hits their b- pocket. Because if, if all of a sudden we disrupt the free trade that we have, if we disrupt the, the way the United States controls the, everything that happens to make sure that we get the best prices or whatever, the uh, world's going to change. We're not going to yeah. have everything we want. Yeah. All of a sudden, we're only going to have American-made things or whatever the case is. We're only, yeah. and, and this is the pitch he's selling to some of these people, and they want that. Yeah, we, we've already that. seen the problem with with grain coming out of Ukraine, for example. Exactly. Exactly. But and and then you know after the pandemic, we saw the same issue with with fuel. You know, just actually getting getting oil where, well, yeah. where it was well, needed. And, and you and you said something amazing, Anthony. What majority of the world, people that say these things have no idea what kind of power move Ukraine gives Putin. Yeah. So now, not only will he control more of the world, he already controls probably 40 percent of all gas and oil in Eastern Europe. Think about that. But not only will he control more of it now, because now he'll have more resources from Ukraine and he'll have that pipeline that goes through it, which nobody will interfere with. But now also he will control 30% of Asia, Eastern Asia, all of their grain and food population. Yeah. Think about how powerful and how wealthy he will become and that entity will become that we will have to deal with. I've said, I've often said actually that one thing that I think people don't really understand, especially American people, is the is the consequences of of agriculture changing. You know, agriculture is something we take for granted because we shop in supermarkets where everything's in plastic. But but actually, the way that the the worldwide agricultural industry is affected by these geopolitical issues is is significant, and it will mean that people could starve. Yeah, well, that's and that's the sad part. But we're not going to realize it until you know what. That's the sad part. Until like you know, we're complaining that our eggs cost two dollars more. When bread all of a sudden goes yeah. up from two dollars to four dollars, that's when we're going to realize and say, "Oh, why do I want to pay four dollars?" <laughs> it's because of food, uh, and that's the crazy part. Until it hits us, until a lot of the people just don't care about what goes yeah. on in the world, 
And they don't realize it until it's too late. And then when it's too late, they're just, you know, so that's why it's important to have good world leaders that are there that are not just understanding your way of thinking, but understand everybody's way of thinking. Yeah. That's why they're the president, because they're out there for everybody, not just what you want. Yeah. Trump's out there just for that small group of people, just what they want. It's us against well, them. For, him, for himself. And right. here's a guy, let's not forget, who several times now has said that you have to show ID when you buy groceries. So he ain't got a clue where the food comes from. Just tell me, Lev, how you felt with the Tucker Carlson interview, not so much the actual interview, which was a disaster. It was, didn't work out as, as planned and as billed because Putin did like a half an hour monologue about the origins of Ukraine. And, and then the rest of it was just stilted and weird. But the, the tough stuff for me to digest was seeing Tucker Carlson, because he was in Russia for a few days, then go and make these videos at a, at a train station or at a supermarket and try and convince the American people that Russia is it's better good. than America, that the, the tra train station is cleaner and there's no homeless people and that the supermarket, he was like sniffing bread. And mm, I mean, it was so offensive and so treasonous. And yet again, just kind of came and went. We've this has become so normalized. How did you feel? I've, I mean, I was disgusted because, you know, why I was disgusted, just like when I get disgusted watching Giuliani or Trump lie because I was yeah. there, I saw it. I, I was in Russia. I lived in Russia. I've been there playing. I know Russia. And he, he was just basically like filming a commercial or like a travel commercial for Russia. I mean, is are there great things about Russia? Absolutely. They probably, their, their vegetables, you can't get vegetables like that because it's naturally grown and it's fresh and it's good. Bread might be great. The bread might be better there than most places in the United States. I mean, just the way it's grown. So yeah, there's, there's, you know, food wise, maybe, yes. Are the train stations cleaner than the United States? Probably, absolutely. But he doesn't tell you how, why it's like that, how it gets like that. Right. He doesn't show you, you know, why the train stations are clean, who's forced to do it and how it's being yeah, run by because people aren't free. He doesn't show you people getting arrested because they want to go, you know, pr uh, uh, pr protest Navalny's death. And just because they come out on the street and they're, he doesn't go there. He doesn't go to the courts and prison colonies to show uh, the ballerina that's being arrested for because she put $51 donation to the Ukraine. He's not showing the true Russia. And, you know, it's it just like him, like Tara Reid. She lives in Russia now. I mean, she's completely out there, you know, trying these, when they go out there and promote Russia, like it's some kind of a beautiful place. Why don't you live there then? Yeah. Who's stopping you? I mean, like, because none of them would last a day there because they don't talk about that. Tucker Carlson doesn't talk about how I'm sure he wasn't allowed to ask every single question he wanted to ask. I'm sure he was worried about uh, how he would act while he was there. He, I don't care what he's going to say. I don't care how he's acted. But I trust me when I tell you, when you're in that Soviet Union or when you're in Russia and you know, you know you're being followed. You know everywhere is being watched. And then it doesn't matter if you're a regular person or it's still the old KGB mindset. And that's what people don't understand. And, yeah. and they go out there, do their free willy. And I was disgusted by Tucker Carlson, I tell you. I mean, but look, you know, he's doing it. He's just like another Donald Trump. All he's doing is for the money, the ratings, because how can you ever 
go forward with a guy like Tucker Carlson that basically we've seen the text messages. We know what he thinks about Donald Trump. We know how he talked about Donald Trump. And then he interviews Donald Trump like they're best friends and promotes him. So the world knows you think he's an idiot. The world knows you think he destroyed Fox. The world knows you didn't want him out there. And so for your little group of mega cultists that you want to continue playing the game, you know, you do the interviews. But I mean, it's disgusting to see the way they're promoting Russia. I mean, Putin. See, if he was just promoting Russia, I have no problem with that. Like, you know, you're in a different country. You want to say, look, oh, you know, look at Russia. They, they got really clean things, you know, and use that as a way to push our Congress and say, like, if they have clean. Now, that, I don't have an issue with that because I think we're definitely lacking in infrastructure in the United States. I think it's a huge problem. But I, but I the way he did was to embarrass the United States. The way he did it was to not embarrass the United States, embarrass like Joe Biden. Like, you know, yeah. it's like we don't have because of Joe. Forget about that. All the other presidents ahead of them. But it's Joe Biden because yeah. Russia. Has or even that. Donald Trump, who only recently did four years and somehow yeah. America did not get great again. Um, we built we, 50 we, miles of wall. 50 miles oh, of yes, wall. Oh, yes, that's true. That's true. Which which Mexicans are climbing over quite easily, it seems. Um, let I, I just want to, off the back of that, talk about the Russia that he didn't show, the poverty, the obviously the control, but also the human rights atrocities. And this is something that frustrates me the most as someone who cares about human rights on a global level. When I saw Trump cozying up to Kim Jong and thinking, does he even know the reason why everyone behaves themselves in North Korea? It's because if you do anything that is considered illegal, even just by someone telling on you. You don't just get arrested, but your whole family goes to prison. I mean, does Donald Trump even understand how these dictators operate? And, you know, because he's so impressed by their military and so impressed by their the the way that he didn't he say all that time, you know, he snaps his fingers and people just he that's what he wants for himself. He doesn't have the intellect to really understand it, but he thinks that people just love the the leaders just because. Talk to well, me about the, 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 these Russian human rights and what we really need to know about how Russia operates. Absolutely, Anthony. And, and I write a lot about it in the book in the beginning, especially. Yeah. You have to understand Donald Trump. It all stems from his father. His father was a very authoritarian dictator type of an individual. So Donald Trump, Donald Trump grew up in that world as a child. Then when Donald Trump went, grew up in his uh, young age and started getting involved in business, at those years in the 70s and 80s, it was controlled by the mob. So for Donald Trump to be able to build his skyscrapers in New York City and do his projects, he had to work with guys like John Gotti and, and Sammy the Bull Gravano. And so this is it was Donald Trump's world. So these are the people he looked up to. So now when he graduated and became president, now those same people are just the Vladimir Putin, the Xi of the world. This is who Donald Trump wants to be. Donald Trump wants to be the godfather. Donald Trump wants to be the leader. The, the, he, he, what he says goes and nobody could say anything else. That's the mentality. So that's why he looks up to Vladimir Putin. That's why he wants, looks up to Xi. He wants, he, he says these people are the smartest in the world. Look at, just look how he praises them. Yeah. Look at how the, the you know how the, the 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 way he looks up to them, and it's because he wants to be them. His problem is he lives in a country that doesn't allow you to have that, and that's why he got caught up in fighting his strong. He wants to turn our country 
into a Russia, into it. He wants to be able to be Stayana's leader as uh, in power as long as he wants. He and then pass it on to one of his kids or whoever he nominates to take take on the next day. He doesn't want there to be free elections. He wants to be able to for the rich and the powerful to be able and people that he agrees with or agree with them to have everything they want. And then for everybody else to, you know, nobody cares about you. You guys have to do the work because, you know, the rich need slaves, the rich need people to work and make and do everything so they can enjoy and do. And that's the mentality he lives. That's how he lives his lifestyle. Just look at what he does every day from the moment he wakes up. He has somebody giving him his slippers, somebody. And again, and I'm not trying to say like there's rich people, and they, but he lives a different lifestyle as an authoritarian, narcissistic boss. He wants like he when he walks into the room, he wants you to know not because you like him or you want because of you fear him. He, when you work for him, you're, it's like it's that fear. He doesn't want you to love him. He wants you to fear him that if you cross him, he'll destroy you. That's his isn't mentality. this why the Republican lawmakers have fallen into line. Absolutely. Isn't this why there, there isn't really, apart from Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, there's nobody standing up to him. This is, this is why he has managed to infiltrate the former conservative party and turn it into a MAGA Republican party. Absolutely. Basically, just to break down in layman's terms for the people to understand, it's like walking, you know, when the mobster walks into the store and tries to tell you guys pay me every month for protection. Adam Kissinger and Liz Cheney were the two that stood up and said, I'm not going to pay you. So their stores got burnt, they yeah. got beaten up, and they got thrown out. Now they have no living. The, the other Republicans or the other stores that said, you know what? We're going to pay you. We're going to pay you whatever you want. Don't burn my store. I want to stay in office. And no, they sold their soul and went. So that's basically it. So and that's why, that's why, just think about it. We have such a, I mean, the Republicans have been talking about immigration and the and, and the, the border for, that's the number one problem, number one problem. And then when the Democrats say, okay, you know what? We'll give you what you want. Donald Trump they, says, uh-uh, yeah, not that way. No, we're not ready yet. Yeah. We're not ready yet because I need to use that for the election. Because if I give that to you, what am I going to do in my rallies? How am I going to go out there and talk about, you know, the wall? Because it'll be fixed. There'll be things going on. So for the and next they've admitted months, this, haven't they? They've admitted yeah. it. They've and said is, on television, why would we give uh, anything away to Joe Biden in an election year? Yeah, you know? forget, forget about the 350 American people that our lives are involved. Forget us that yeah. it's Joe Biden. We're not going to let Joe Biden win. So we're going to let you people. So let another God know how much fentanyl come in. Let it, God knows how many people are going to die because we want to use that. And they, and this is the crazy part, Anthony. People don't just, you got to listen to what Donald Trump says. Listen to what they're telling you. They're doing it. They're, they're not hiding it. That's the crazy part is if before they hid it and behind closed, now it's in the open, in your face. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to come in and I'm going to cause chaos. I'm going to do, I'm going to take over, be a dictator. I'm going to go after everybody that went after me. I'm going to destroy the DOJ. I'm going to throw NATO out the window. I'm going to allow, allow Vladimir Putin to do whatever he wants and I'm going to encourage him. I'm going to also send a few love letters to Kim Jong-un to make sure he's all good. And, you know, he could then one day maybe go after South Korea. And you know what? What do we need South Korea for? You know what I'm saying to you? This is the mentality that Donald yeah. Trump and he's telling you. They're not you, hiding. They're not hiding they're anymore. Hiding. And that's why it was so frustrating for me and many others when the media was focusing on that one line, I'll be a dictator on day one. And they became obsessed with this right. because he'd said dictator and day one and they were analyzing day one and, you know, on my first day. And, and I was like, are you out of your minds? This guy has been a dictator 
since he first started in business. You know, people have such short memories and, and the news media is, is failing to educate and inform people as to how dangerous this is. And, and, you know, I get criticized sometimes for when I make videos and compare him to Hitler and say, you know, Hitler was elected and, and, you know, people didn't have the kind of communication that we have now. They didn't yeah. have the news channels. They didn't yeah. have social if media. If had this type of, it would have been over with. It would yeah. have been over with. Yeah. The world okay, listen, we, we, we have to take another quick uh, break, yeah. but I want to come back and talk about the uh, the late Alexei Navalny and, and how his murder can also be traced back to the behavior of, of Donald Trump in, in recent weeks on The Weekend Show. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? When we started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from our minds. Now we're selling T-shirts and Midas Touch merch, and it's so easy, all because we use Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch of your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're delivering daily digests or serving sensational scoops, Shopify will help you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person point-of-sale system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds and Rothneys and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success at every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash weekend. Go to shopify.com slash weekend now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash weekend. We're back with Lev Parnas here on The Weekend Show. Uh, thousands of, of Russians chanted Alexei Navalny's name and, and said they would not forgive the authorities for his death as the former opposition leader was laid to rest in Moscow on Friday. And uh, at a cemetery not far from where Navalny once lived, his, his mother and father stooped over his open coffin, kissed him for the last time. A small group of musicians played. And then there was protest in the street effectively and uh, you know two people were or at least two people were detained by authorities one of them an opposition politician the timing of alexei navalny's death his his murder by vladimir putin his execution in a siberian prison it, it, it did not come as a surprise to many people because of the heat that was going on surrounding Ukraine, the you know support for Ukraine, but also Donald Trump and what he was saying about NATO, as we mentioned earlier. Though it, was, it was a moment for Putin to strike. I mean, he could have killed Alexei Navalny at any time whilst he was detained. 
tried to kill him on a on an aircraft by poisoning him, and he only survived that because they diverted quickly, and he ended up in a, in a German hospital. But how did you feel when you heard that Alexei Navalny had had been killed, and 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 you know, did that? What did it? What did that say to you in in the moment? As sad as it was, Anthony, I have to be honest with you, and I knew it was going to happen. I and yeah. I felt it was going to happen very, very soon after Trump's message, because I look as an insider, as somebody that lives, lived that life and spent all those years with Trump and understand the way he talks and understand the way Putin, the, the way people give each other messages. And because you have to understand, uh, 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 Trump does when Michael Cohen comes out and talks and says, Trump talks like a mobster, you know, he gives you messages. He doesn't just clearly he understands. So there's a tactic that very rich people use uh, that when you have all the money in the world, what do you gift somebody? So people start gifting each other like uh, rare uh, tickets to a concert, backstage events, historical things of value where you can't just give it money or some kind of, you know, value. And Trump knows that he's played the game. He lives it. So now take it. Now Trump wants to get in uh, Putin's good graces, but he can't call him. He can't speak to him. He can't have even anybody around, him, especially the way he's being watched and everything, Putin. So what can he do to show Putin that I got you? I still need your strong support. Please help. He goes out and goes out and makes a comment about NATO. And he did. And this is the important part. He didn't just say this time that NATO, if they don't pay, that I'm going to dismantle NATO. He went a step further. And this is where the message came in that I will not only allow Russia, I will encourage them to do what they want to do. So now, two days later, Putin responds to his message. And he had to respond to let Trump know that he understands very well that Russia will will do whatever they want to do. So he had to do something as outrageous and on the world stage to show that message in return. And he could have only done one thing, is kill Alex Navalny. And it was also perfect timing because he just announced that he's going to run again. So he kills two birds with one stone. He, he kills the uh, opposition and he gives Trump the message that we're ready to do what we're going to do. Just get, and we're going to help you get into office. So this is the type of messages powerful people play on the level that regular people don't even understand. They look at that and say, you know, that's why when I go on some spaces or talk shows and they say, you're crazy. That, yeah, I'm crazy, but you don't know these people. You never live with them. You've never heard them speak. You've never seen, you've never heard what they want to do and how they do it. I've lived that life for 50 years. And that's why I write about the book. I wasn't just a regular guy. I, the reason why they chose me was because I knew that life. I knew these people. I knew how they think and act. Because that was the only way you're going to be able to go in there and try to get information on the president or vice president of the United States of America. Let's understand. It's, you can't just go to the corner store and say, you know what, uh, you have some tapes, videotapes, or, you know, you want to sell me. So, yeah, the, the, it's, I look back at it, and it's just sad to see how openly in public they're playing the game right in front of our eyes. And the world is just, and the media is blind to it, too, because they're scared to run with certain stories. Everybody's scared to get sued. Everybody's scared, you know. And, and then you take a look at the media. Majority of the media tries to be politically correct. They try to show the other side. They try to show that they're not biased. But then you have Trump's side and Fox and the media on the right. They don't play that game. 
they show bias. They only show one way. So it's like playing in a soccer game or a football game where, you know, you, 10 on 10, but you got 10 and they got five. I mean, eventually, you know, they're, you're, they're, you're going to lose the information. So when it comes to the information war, and that's why they, their voices are louder, because if you turn on Fox, you'll hear the same narrative 24 hours a day. You will never diverse. And if there's a diversion of the narrative, there's really a comeback right away to squash it. On, on CNN, MSNBC, yeah. you'll see the same stories, but you'll see where, yeah, they'll still lean to the truth and to the right of it, but then they'll try to give the other side a voice. They'll try to give the other side, which it should be that way. But unfortunately, in the world that we play today, it's only ammunition because yeah. what the other side does, they don't talk to talking points and use it. It, it, it legitimizes yep. the the stuff that is simply not not factual and yeah. you know this both sides journalism thing was something completely new to me <laughs> when i <laughs> when i moved here i was like what is this it doesn't make any sense um trump didn't respond initially to the murder of alexei navalny in fact he, he didn't say anything and then eventually when he did he he claimed that he was like a navalny because he is being persecuted and you know therefore it's it it's like you know he is a martyr in some way i mean remarkable really i mean it's sad. it's not only remarkable, it's sad i mean just take a look again listen to what the guy's telling you i mean he the first reason he didn't respond right away because he was in shock because uh, he understood that that was a response and i don't think he trump with as big he talks a big game but he doesn't he's not he's a he coward Right. You have to grow up in that world and be able to kill Maine and not worry about, you know, it's one thing to talk about it. And, you know, oh, I could do this and I could that. It's another thing where you know, a guy like Putin probably killed people with his own arms, you know, <laughs> you know, watch people die in front of his own eyes. It takes a different people to be a dictator. But what the thing, real thing comes out is his narcissism, Trump's narcissism. Yes. That's the key point where you're seeing yes. Forget about the guy, but the narcissism to take the death of a real, uh, a real martyr, a real a hero, hero. A, real, a hero, because you have to understand, Navalny was saved in Germany. He was out. He could have been a very wealthy man living in Germany, the world, and fought for democracy in Russia and probably would have had a much better chance to do it being on the outside to keep the fight going. But just think of the, the, the type of person he was knowing that he's going to get killed. He's yeah. going to get tortured. He, there he was went no back doubt. into the lion's den. There was no doubt about it. As soon as he gets in there, he knew he was going, and he was ready for it. And he knew it, and he sacrificed himself. That's a real martyr. That's a real hero for the cause of the country to make sure that people were aware what kind of dictator, what kind of monster Putin is. And then you get this coward Trump comes in and tries to take use a real hero, a real martyr, and to use that credit as a narcissistical uh, yeah. a, a word to say. Well, he that did the he, same when al-Baghdadi was, was, was killed, exactly, do you remember? Yeah. And he was like, you know, I did it and I probably won't get the credit for it. <laughs> and it was, it was like, really? Really, this is who you are? Do you, do you think, because there's a, there's a lot now that is stacking up in terms of, because as Trump is getting more and more desperate, you know, we haven't even mentioned his legal cases. But they're ramping up. He now owes five hundred million dollars to the court. I mean, he he can't afford that. He's not no. a billionaire. He doesn't have no. the money that he claims, and so that is obviously hurting him. That people are now starting to realize that he he's he's not as rich as he claimed. But also, 
the fact that he's slipping up and saying weird stuff <laughs> and and he's having to keep a schedule because he's due in court, but he's also doing rallies. And so, you know, as the next few months, you know, go on, there are going to be more kind of weird moments where he says crazier and crazier things. Do you think that people are really going to start to realize that this guy is seriously compromised, not just mentally and emotionally, but also in terms of the compromat, the relationship with with Russia, and how you know a, a Donald Trump presidency would be extremely dangerous for everybody, not just Democrats, but for everybody. Oh, absolutely! And you know, uh, Anthony, one of the things I learned by you know I became an expert on politics by living that that life from the inside. I learned that uh, right now, all the media and all the news we hear is 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 goes by the wavelength. It's it's irrelevant right now. It's a rel- really irrelevant. And then something such huge happens, it's really irrelevant. The real race is going to start sometime in the summertime, June, July, August, and really September, October. That's when yeah. that's when we really heats up. By that time, Donald Trump's going to be in the New York courtroom, probably convicted and tried for being a criminal. There's so many things that are still yet to happen that majority of the public that will make a difference in this election are not yet focused on this election. And when it's time to focus on this election, I'm confident that once they really, once they start seeing, and I'm sure uh, not only the Democrats, but I'm sure there's a lot of people that are preparing a lot of things for that last month push, that where they get that all that information, that they'll really understand because anybody with any common sense, if you really start look at the real, you know, the truth, the evidence and facts, it's not that difficult. It's really, it's not that difficult. It only becomes difficult when you start debating it with somebody that's trying to cause chaos and that wants to deflect, reflect, doesn't want to deal with, doesn't believe and lie. That's difficult. But if there's two common sense individuals that really want to get to the truth, they're not looking for one side or the other, but want to know the truth. It's not difficult. It's black and white. I mean, it's right there. I mean, we know that Biden didn't take no bribes. You could see what the I mean, what the uh, the GOP is doing. Their own, you know, and that's another interesting thing that I've been seeing a trend, which is I think a good thing. That I go to a lot of these Twitter spaces and I do these debates and I try to go into these GOP mega spaces to debate them because you know I don't like to go echo chambers and just keep saying the same thing. I want to get the truth out and, and fight them and. I've been noticing that a lot of them are as frustrated. They're not even agreeing. I'm not saying they're, but they're as frustrated with James Comer and the GOP for not having the hearings, for not yes. giving the information, for not what's going And they're starting to, whereas before they would make that their focal point about the hearings. Now they understand it's a joke where they're like, there's more to that than that. And they try to now only go into policy. And that's a shift I'm seeing that they're realizing themselves. Be, like, you know, if you have the proof, you have the evidence, give it to us enough. Let's move on. I mean, we started with, remember, the, the guy, the, the, the China informant gets arrested on the run. Uh, yeah. another, another one of their guys is serving 14 years in prison. They promised to show us some kind of tapes, 17 tapes from a yeah. dead man's wife that never existed. Giuliani was supposed to give evidence and Giuliani wasn't able was to. to. I mean, it's just, yeah. it just, it's a, com- I mean, you, like I said, you can't make this up. 
that it's reminds me of Donald Trump's health care bill that never came, right? Where <laughs> next, next week we're going to announce. Next week, we're next, gonna, yeah, next, week, yeah. next week, next week. It's coming. <laughs> yeah. So finally, you know, where we're at now is a, you know, is a crossroads, obviously. I, I describe it as a choice in November between dictatorship and democracy or being freedom and, and uh, or fascism and, and freedom. And this is really something that people have to take very seriously. The requirement on people to actually use their democratic right to a vote might be the last time they ever vote if Donald Trump is elected. <laughs> but, you know, we, we really need to make people realize, you know, I, I'm not on a political team, but I, I recognize the importance of America remaining free. And do you think that the messaging is there? Do you think people understand how high the stakes are and that that why their vote is so essential in November? Uh, like I said, I think a majority of our country, I truly believe that the vote's going to come out and give Donald Trump a kick in his ass and show him it's not going to be anywhere close and it's going to show him that we don't want that. Because like I said, we just are hearing a very loud voice, but I think it's a minority loud voice. It's just louder than the majority because majority of the country is busy taking care of their family, paying their bills and not worried about going out there arguing about the policies until, you know, it's time to get into that booth. I also truly believe that a lot of these loudmouths out there, that when they're going to be in that booth, they're going to, nobody knows how they vote. <laughs> you know what I'm saying to you? Right. Just because they say, you know, they'll go in there and they're going to vote because majority of them, even when you speak to them, they know. I mean, it's it's not that difficult. It's just the problem is the way society, the way Donald Trump divided our country to such a degree I mean, we've never been where we can't sit, you know, there's families that can't sit at the same table and have Thanksgiving or Christmas or Hanukkah dinners because of Donald Trump, because, you know, there's some of them like Donald Trump and some of them don't like it. And that's the crazy part. If you don't like Donald Trump, that means automatically you're a leftist. You have to like Joe Biden. It's like it's it's become us against them. Yeah. Why do I have to like anybody? I don't like Donald Trump, and that's what I'm trying. And that's why I wrote the book for people to really understand. It's not. I'm not out there. I'm not trying to say that I'm. It's Democrats, Republican. This book is not about Democrats, Republicans, folks. This book is about really an inside look at Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani, and some of the key fat people in Congress that you see on an everyday basis to what they what they did behind closed door, what they really said, what they really wanted to do, not what they portray on television. And what I do also, not only do I talk about and write about it, but I also put in text messages, emails into the book to validate and, 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 and like everybody wants to see, show the receipts, to show to what degree of corruption these people went to and are still going to. So I hope that opens yeah. their eyes. I was going to say still, it's still going on. I mean, that's really the saddest part of this story is that, that people like Trump and Giuliani have have been allowed to continue this and that they weren't held to account sooner and that you know if trump's impeachment had only been ratified and criminalized the first time round then we wouldn't have january 6 and we wouldn't have this polarization that that has really you know destroyed american culture in many ways and i'm going to take it a step further if they would have just listened to me and look at, yeah. looked into looked into my evidence and and looked at all the receipts and really looked at them Question me, and we there he we would not have Donald Trump. I mean, he was guilty in so many different ways and so many different things. Not only Ukraine, and 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 the enablers, 
And they didn't. They basically, they closed their eyes and they thought that they're going to, it's, they did the, the biggest mistake that people, our parents told us, don't sweep things under the rug because eventually you're going to trip over it. Well, that's what yeah. they did. They kept sweeping all of Donald Trump things under the rug, all his corruption. And now they're all tripping over it. They're all trying to save their own butts. And the sad part, Anthony, that none of them are really thinking about America. None of them are thinking about the public. If you look at all of them, they're all narcissists. They're thinking about how to save their own skin, how to move forward and get back at their own enemies. They don't care about that little guy. They don't care about the guy that's not, he's giving their last $6. He's not buying yeah. eggs. He's sending yeah. it to you, Donald Trump, because he believes you're going to save him. Yeah. They, they actually hate those people. You know, they have contempt for those people. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and that's, that's the saddest part of the story, isn't it? That the people who have sold their souls to the devil, the devil ain't interested in them. And, yeah, and, and it, it's, it's, it's a very, it's a really sad, if it's still a screenplay, it, it has a, it, it you know, it certainly has a sad ending. Yeah. Okay, we have to finish, but Lev Parnas, thank you. Good luck with Shadow Diplomacy. It's a great book, and we'll talk again, hopefully, on the weekend show. Thank you. I'm Anthony Davis. Don't forget to support me and independent journalism at patreon.com slash five-minute news. Join me next week with a brand-new special guest and more factual news stories to discuss on the five-minute news weekend show with Midas Touch. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.